Thanks for joining us here at WagerAger. D-Nice with a quad podcast. Quad pods are back. We have Tech Money, special guest. What's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone's doing well. Tech, we're doing great. We're doing even better because we have you. And the Bet Crushers, Yanni, what's going on? Keeping it real down in Florida. It looks like you're in the office. Happening, man. Ready to talk a little more baseball. Baseball has been good to us. JJ, what's going on? Skyline Chili, rocking We're the back. Skyline Chili shirt. That's right. I like Large it. five way. Let's do it. Large five way. I lived in Ohio for a couple of years. I had Skyline Chili a little bit, but dude, I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. My dad loved Skyline Chili. And since then, like I, I had it a few times, loved it. I need to get back out there. So maybe we'll head to a Reds game and hit yes, sir. Uh, get some conies. Yeah. Perhaps a playoff Reds game this year and, and do some Skyline Chili. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's go around the horn. Recap first half of the season. I know it was topsy-turvy. There were some ups and downs. Uh, I would be lying if I said that I successfully bet into the first half of the season. I know it was all over the place. JJ, your articles have been awesome. Uh, There were some ups and downs. I think you finished the first half on some ups, though. So you're feeling pretty confident. Overall, high level, you can go as long or short as you want, JJ. What do you think in first half overall? What'd you learn? Thoughts overall? I think, you know, we we talked, what, three weeks ago, a little bit of a halfway point update on the season. You know, we talked about some of the surprising teams that continued to hold their lead. You know, the Bostons, the San Francisco's, it's obviously out there. It's well known that those teams have overachieved to a degree, but aren't fraudulent. I think they're the real deal. But the big surprises are some of those teams in the division um, when it comes to the Yankees really just can't get out of their own way given the fact that they are the Yankees, correct? Um, But teams like the Mariners, still five games over 500. Yanni's, um, we'll just say hypothetical long shot to win (laughs) uh, the AL. It was a 52 to one. Yeah, exactly. 52 to one to like win the division or something, right? Yeah, something crazy to win the division, which again, you know, we made the point. You've got Houston, you've got Oakland. They're not going to get out of the way of of Seattle. But, uh, you know, to be honest, they're only realistically three and a half games behind Oakland, which who has been more or less a divisional powerhouse that was overtaken by Houston when they went down uh, to Texas a couple of weeks ago for that big series. Uh, but you've got a very competitive NL East, which the landscape has changed significantly. You know, I, I think, you know, Yanni, you and D touched on the point that Atlanta is that type of team that we're really looking for to make that second half push. Maybe some of that got nixed with Acuna down for the season, Soroka not coming back. Um, so you you have a team that has rotational issues. You have a team that has really struggled to meet their offensive potential and now losing a key superstar, even if Freeman gets back up to a 300 level, they're missing that pop. They're missing that speed on the base pass. Going to be tough for the Braves, plus 19 run differential, but that Acuna injury, tough to look at, tough to have that happen to a team like that. Yanni, I don't think we're going to uh, hit any Braves futures, but I guess you never know. Tech, first half of the season, surprises to you. I know the San Francisco Giants, that's a surprise to everybody. Surprises to you and just high-level thoughts, first half of the season, how to go for you and your handicapping. Yeah, so it's been an interesting year for me. Um, overall, for the handicapping perspective, uh, I started off the season pretty hot, but lucky when I look back. 
And I remember I was actually betting a bit heavier units and stuff. So we got up to a very nice amount and that, that was basically April and May, but quickly I cut that profit amount in half. And I'm not going to talk numbers. I didn't get all the numbers prepared. So I, I like having everything exact, but basically we, we were up an X amount. It was very high to the point where I was getting excited for the year. I'm like, you know, with this type of pattern, we may have one of the bigger years I've ever had. Um, half of it was cut probably within um, at the after May ended, probably within the last week of May going into June, half of those profits were cut. And since then, um, I went flat. And then in the last 25 picks I did uh, for MLB specific, um, I did it specific on a, I shared it everywhere as I do on Twitter, but I, at the same time for the last 25, I opened up a free Discord room. And in that room, we actually ended up going on the last 25, 14 and 11, but we're red, $100 better was red $116. So not that bad being red, but it just shows how um, I performed. And, and that's what I want to get into. I broke that down because um, the number one things that caught me were I was very stubborn and ignorant to my previous strategies I'd used for the last you know five to seven years. Um, I saw on the first weekend I remember uh, April 1st, if I'm not mistaken, was opening day, but I remember watching on that first Saturday on my couch thinking, man, we're going to nail these bets because I watched the ball take off and I jumped off my couch and then I'm falling back and saying, wow, that was weird. What happened yeah. to the ball? And I thought, <laughs> I thought maybe that, you know, traveling out of the park. Right. And, and I'll tell you what, I, at that moment, it happened a few times that Saturday as I'm flipping through all the games. Because I, at that moment, I had MLB TV. I had the T cable on. I have all the games. I'm excited. And I'm thinking we're going to have a, a great continuation of what I did last year for the, you know, for the people and myself. And the ball just was dying into in – the, it was getting past infield, but then it was dying. And if you actually go back and watch many of these games, you'll see the infielder running out and the outfielder running in, and there was confusion. You, you wouldn't expect that confusion so habitual at a major league level. It was across many games that first weekend. And I remember wanting to pick up the phone and call 30 people, but I didn't have 30 people to call <laughs> and say, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? <laughs> And um, the number one tape back for me was I was very stubborn and ignorant. I didn't adapt and adjust to what I saw when I knew I should be doing. I've been around the game enough to know to adjust. I didn't do it. And one of the best things I could have adjusted to was the first two weeks, we should have been pounding the under. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of us were talking about it. I, I, I think all of us were talking about it. I think even going into a month, we could have pounded the under. And I'll tell you what, I think it's still in play overall. Even at these games at Colorado, I, I remember seeing overrunners at 13 or 14, and now they're down 11 and a half and 12, and sometimes they're not getting over. So to, not to take up too much time, but the number one takeaway was um, I didn't adjust and adapt to the advantage I, advantages that I have of being able to see that and watch and watch these games, I didn't adjust as quickly as I could. So thankfully, I'm not red this year, but you know me, I care about people that tail me and not everybody tailed me from day one. So there's going to be people that tailed me mid-season and thought, who the heck is this guy? We're not getting anywhere. And I understand that because it's it's been tough for the last six or eight weeks. Like I said, last 25 picks, I'm just you know one unit red basically, and it's it's just been hard to pick my spot. So it's just, again, to sum it up, the frustration I had with myself was not adapting, not adjusting. And one more takeaway in this is as, as I noticed this, 
A lot of the favorites are extremely priced. A lot of these favorites, if you do your homework right, will hit. And being in New Jersey, I had the advantage of betting minus one, but I was too stubborn and wanting to take favorites and thinking I'm a square, even though the homework checked out. And I should have taken advantage of the minus one spreading, which a lot of times you get a 130 to 140 versus staying stubborn to my old strategy. So sorry for taking up a minute there, but just thought that's important to hear is I number one rule, man, I didn't adjust uh, to my to my, you know, to my strategies and, and I was stubborn. So here's the thing. It's a six to seven month season. So even if we don't adjust in the very beginning, you can adjust on the fly. Tech, you can take up as much time as you want because you're the special guest of the hour here. (laughs) I think it was really interesting also. And could we have made more money if we pounded some unders? 100%. Yeah. Because I remember in the first week of the season, just like texting all you guys and saying, wow, this doesn't look right. Like it's 2-1 games. It's 3-2 games. And what was weird to me too is that I have a Twitter account on Notify. It's like the barrel alert and showing these exit velocities in like the hundreds. In the past couple of years, everything would be double, home run, double, occasionally on a line out. I was seeing flyouts from like Gene Segura with high exit velocity and saying, what's going on with this ball? I know it's April and I know that we didn't have April baseball in 2020 because of COVID, but it just didn't seem right. So we had that and then it was Drag. like, okay, yeah. Like, what's going to happen here? How long is this going to persist? Is the warm weather going to heat things up? Are they going to change the ball? We've got sticky substances. That's a whole other thing that we haven't even got into. But this is the first half that it's memorable because of all the things that were going on. But it's been, I mean, not impossible to handicap, but it has been a hell of a time for handicappers to get you know, on top of what's going on. So hopefully things will stay consistent in the second half as consistent as they possibly could be. Great breakdowns though, guys. And overall about flat is not a bad thing. Tech started the season red hot tech money trifecta, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, and, and again, it's when you have, and you, it's human nature when you have something that's worked so well and you put so much time behind and it's all stats that you guys are aware of, but just kind of Corking some of them together and then looking at the lines. And one thing to mention, and we can get to it later, but those t- to take advantage of that strategy, a couple of the books remove the options of being able to buy team totals and they're more expensive this year. So yes. we kind of got hit from both ends. Not only is the ball situation different uh, this season, but at the same time, the books also raise the pricing and the line situation. So we kind of got it. We got, we, got, we got ourselves cornered in a tight spot. So we have to be very careful moving forward. That's a really good point that I'm glad you brought up. It's a real pain in the ass when you're looking to, you know, play like an over four to four and a half and five, and the four and a half is juiced at like minus 180 now, whereas before yeah. it might have been in like that minus 135 range. So books are adjusting. People in New Jersey have it better than most, but all those books have adjusted also. Pennsylvania, JJ, for us, we're looking good. Yanni's keeping it real on Bovada. They they always have good options, though. Yes. And you can do first five team totals, right? So that's always nice for you. Yes. Love that. Speaking of Yanni, we should probably give a golf clap, or it's not a golf podcast, baseball clap. I'm not even sure what the hell that would be for some of his future plays that he's made. So he had some nice future plays. Nice is capital letters, nice. Really awesome futures plays. Otani was what? Yeah, got him at plus 110, heard here on the podcast. Pretty nice. Yeah, I think he was actually plus 125 when we talked about it. And I think he's sitting at what minus two seventy five now for it for MVP. So gotta like that uh, line value movement there. And you know we threw out Jacob Degrom when he was minus one forty to win the Cy, and we basically said 
injury aside, this is about as much of a lock as you can have in baseball betting. And, you know, I think he's at about minus 1,000, minus 1,100 right now. So, again, some really good value if you were able to get on those a while back. And, obviously, if you've got those tickets in your hand, you're feeling pretty good going into the second half. Feeling very good, barring injury. I think both of those are coming home. You never know in baseball, though, with these injuries. But Otani having a hell of a season. Didn't get it done in the home run derby. The home run derby I could go off on right now as to what the hell is going on there. I, I won some bets. I know Tech and I dropped one with Gallo, and I don't even know what happened with that last pitch. I feel like it should have been tied. The home run derby technically isn't first-half handicapping, but I'm just going to leave it at that, that <laughs> – that sucked. I'm never going to fade or not bet on Alonzo in a home run derby again either. Like that, that needs to happen all the time. Yanni actually bet on Alonzo again. So, I mean, as long as he's got that guy pitching to him, my goodness, a spot on perfect teamwork right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the thing, you know, first of all, that's that's Alonzo's jam, man. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. in terms of being a pure baseball hitter. I mean, I think he struggles with certain pitches, but. When you're talking about just knocking the ball out, when you got that guy throwing up uh, beautiful, you know, spots to him, it's like it's almost automatic. And the one thing that was interesting is Trevor Story said in that week, he said a right-handed hitter is going to win this thing. And I mean, that was really what got me thinking in terms of even not betting on Otani or Gallo was, you know, Story knows that field obviously as well or better than anyone there. And when he said that, I mean, I I kind of took that to heart and said, all right, I'm going to take a flyer with the right-handed hitter here. And, Happened to work out. It did work out. And that is his jam. He was just up there. He had rap music going. Um, I think he had some Nas. He was just jamming out for two, strong. two and a half hours, He's knocking strong. the cover off the ball. So that's his jam. Yanni, please remind me next year. Make sure that I'm betting on him twice. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think <laughs> yeah. you get plus 600 or 500 no. next year. He's probably going to be even money to win it next year, but. So yeah. much steam came in on Otani. I saw Alonzo eight to one at one point on Monday morning, and uh, so much wow. steam came in on uh. Otani, and he gave it a good run. He got into what a, a swing off, but you can't beat uh, Soto when he goes three for three in the swing off. So, anyways, so that was the All Star game, the All Star break, home run derby, All Star game. I didn't actually bet on the All Star game. I thought that there might be some more runs, but we're going to go into second half here. So. Just a level set, and then we'll go. We'll talk about some futures and everything. Right now, division leaders, Red Sox. I'm not even going to mention the records, but Red Sox, who we also had a futures play on back last pod, or one or two podcasts ago, 10 to 1 to win the series, 20 games over 500. White Sox still hovering up there. Astros in first place. Mets, Brewers, kind of a quiet first place, I'd say. San Francisco Giants still in first place. I know I told you guys a couple of podcasts ago that I thought they would be out of first place later that month or even later that week. They're hanging on. They won four in a row to close it out into the break. They are at 25 games over 500. Yanni even gave out a value play of 40 to one for the Giants to win the World Series back in early May. So that's where we're at right now. In terms of the betting market, the odds on favorite is anybody want to guess odds on favorite to win the World Series? Dodgers. Dodgers plus 380. So we've got Dodgers plus 380, Houston Astros plus 650, Padres seven and a half to one, Mets eight to one, interesting, Red Sox 10 to one, White Sox eight to one, Brewers 13, Rays 15, Rays have been quiet, your Giants still there 20 to one, it's not 40 to one anymore. So 
a lot of things going on. There's division odds too. There's a lot of races that are wide open. Dodgers and Padres would play in a one game playoff if the season ended today. So all that being said, JJ, what do you have your eyes on in the second half in terms of futures value or what you think is value at the current time? Well, you know, value is obviously a tough proposition because that's in the eyes of the beholder. Um, Scratch the word value. What the hell do you no, like? No, 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 no. I didn't mean it like season, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, no I, I, I totally meant, agree. You know, yeah. To me, I'm going to, hopefully I don't take too long here, but I'm, I'm going to flip, flip flop on a position that I made preseason. Oh. Um, and that's on my Cincinnati Reds. I'm already in, oh. you know, I'm short with them under 82 and a half wins. Still could happen. Um, no doubt about it. Um, I, coming into the season, I was low on their offense, cautiously optimistic when it came to their rotation and bullpen, um, obviously. And, and when I look back at the NL Central outlook, what we talked about on your MLB preview episodes, this was a division where I thought we're looking at pretty much a two-horse race, St. Louis and Milwaukee uh, duking it out into the fall because of that. You know, my money was on the Cardinals at 250 to win the division right before, uh, I think it was right as the Arenado, um, you know, rumors were really starting to heat up. St. Louis is a team that I've, I just, the last few years kind of captures me. I fall into that trap as being one of those kind of well-rounded, not flashy type of teams that one that can take a mediocre div- division like the central. Um, but it was really about catching the 250. Anything I my thought was always any team under two to one to win the central is a bad bet. Um, we talked about Milwaukee as well in the previews, holding pr- plenty of preseason value. They were around 300 uh, plus 350 to win the division because I was not high on the Cubs. Uh, the sad thing is there was a lot of time in the early months of the season to still play uh, Milwaukee around three to one. We talked about that, I think, even on your first uh, MLB in-season update. We did. Now, during the All-Star break, I kept coming back to the Cincinnati at five to one or even six to one to win the division. So I'm having a change of perspective to a degree. Maybe it's a change of heart. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. But that has obviously made me a little bit pessimistic towards them on a betting angle. Um, maybe this team has put things together at the right time. Now, that's that could be misleading given that pretty much every single team in the league, it doesn't matter, Pittsburgh, uh, the Rangers, the Royals, they all have these moments where they put together a week or 10 days and it's just like, wow, this team looks like they could crawl out of whatever or they could win the World Series, whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm just saying right off the cuff, I'm not misled in that regard. I don't have rose-colored uh, glasses. Um, they have the worst defense in the division. Their bullpen is still their biggest liability. Uh, whatever metric you want to look at, you know, 475 FIP, 455 XFIP, but they have the fifth highest strikeouts in the majors as a bullpen. Uh, part of this growing pains may have to do with the fact that they named Amir Garrett as their closer coming into the season. And he was horrendous for two months. Um, not to say that they're dramatically different nowadays, but I think you're seeing manager David Bell kind of getting a little better feel for the context and composure of this bullpen. The rotation is a middle of the road type of rotation, um, you know, low fours fit type of type of team. And they've really had to shuffle guys in and out of the rotation all season, injury, ineffective as whatever may be. Sending Gary's back on the IL. 
Um, but you're seeing a guy that I think had a lot of promise in spring in Michael Lorenzen, somebody that they wanted to take out of the bullpen, put him into the starting role. He's, I think, finishing up a rehab assess- assignment in Louisville after being out all season. I'm not sure whether he's going to start back in the bullpen, work into the rotation. Nonetheless, compared to the division, since these starters have really been one of the better units in the Central, um, obviously shy of Milwaukee, who so has some pretty very strong top uh, top end guys. But when you look at Chicago, Pittsburgh, they're bottom four rotation groups. Now, since his depth is being challenged, there's no doubt about it. Um, guys like Mike Moustakis have been out pretty much most of the season. Joey Votto spent a fair amount of time on the IL. And, you know, obviously he's a shell of what he was six, seven, eight years ago, but he's still a veteran leader, good hitter, good eye, all that sort of thing. So I just talked about all these challenges, right? Why am I going with the Reds? The offense has exceeded my preseason expectations by about 10%, and that's been fairly steady throughout the season. There's no doubt about it. Their major downside is maybe the offense is a bit of a glass cannon type of arrangement, given that they've depended primarily on two guys, Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker. They got the nod, all-star starters. I'm extremely happy that they were they were voted as starters because they have certainly earned those positions. There's no doubt about it. But they am- account for a ton of this team's production. Their offensive weaknesses are against lefties and playing on the road. They lose about 15 to 20% of their effectiveness in those splits. Compare that to a team like Milwaukee that is much more even keeled, but also more moderate when it comes to um, kind of their performance as far as season wide. Still, Cincinnati has been about 10% better at the plate than any other team in the Central. So Monday, I moved on the Reds at six to one odds at Bookmaker. Their site is down for maintenance right now, so I can't tell you where it's at, but I see anywhere from 475, 5, 525. I think five is still reasonable. Here's the way, here's what I see in the division. Pittsburgh's obviously out of the running. Um, yeah. And despite plenty of swings and misses in my preseason predictions, I still see the Cubs as sellers at the deadline. Okay. And if the Cardinals come back and get it done, I'm good. I got plus 250 on them to cover the rest of the messes. So I'm looking at this as pretty much coming down to Cincinnati and Milwaukee. And the difference maker for me, the Reds sit four games back right now at the break with a three-game set starting in Cincinnati Friday against Milwaukee. I love their schedule coming down the home stretch. Of the 71 games ahead of them, 38 of them are at home. Again, this is where they have made a ton of hay at the plate offensively. 38 of those games are against divisional opponents. 13 of them are against Pittsburgh, and that's evenly split at the home and on the road against the division. Only six of them left are against Milwaukee. So this is a crucial season coming out of the gates of the break, especially coming off of going to Milwaukee and and taking three from them up there. They finished the game with a couple games at the White Sox, which is tough, but they finished the last three in Pittsburgh. Um, and the cherry on top to me, and this is a stat from my 70-year-old mother, Cincinnati has a series <laughs> sweep awesome. against all four NL Central teams this season, and they're 25-13 wow. in division. So wow. I put a you know a half a futures position on them at six to one. Maybe I'm a little optimistic or whatever, but you know, if, as long as they don't piss down their leg coming out of the break against Milwaukee, I think they have a good chance of, of putting some pressure on that team. 
tell you what, six to one is great value. I can't find anything better four to one right now, Fandle. So hats off to you, ah. six to one, a bookmaker. Uh, what does DraftKings have? Yeah, so DraftKings I think has their five, five twenty-five, which is five twenty-five, reasonable twenty-five Bovada's to one, five twenty-five, yeah, twenty-five, five twenty-five. And 5, I think, okay, yeah. And if I can jump in just to piggyback yeah. that, I mean, I think when you look at it right now, Milwaukee is minus seven fifty to win that division. That's ridiculous. I mean, they're only four games up and they lost their last three going into the break. Yeah. Like I I can't even fathom that. So again, I think when JJ said the term value is relative, but I think you can look at that and say, there's definitely value there. I mean, that's, that seems like a good position to be in. And if you, the way I would look at it is this, if those teams had to play each other in the central in a one game, random pitcher, whatever, I think I would take the Reds to win any of those. I mean, that's the way I look at it. So I think when you really break down like J.J. did and you look at where they could or have potentially improved, I think this team absolutely can make a run if that bullpen can even remotely improve based on what they did in the first half there. Again, we, we know they can hit at home in particular. I thought, you know, J.J. breaking down the schedule there was really good info to kind of show you where or why they can be successful there. So I really like that that bet there in the Central. And I mean, I as, as we look at that division, we knew it was going to be kind of a crapshoot of mediocrity, which it's proving to be. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing true mediocrity with teams like Chicago and St. Louis. And I think even though Milwaukee and Cincinnati would fall into that mediocre bucket, I think we're seeing more flash from a team like the Reds because they have players. And I mean, oh, by the way, if they could get some guys, a a Eugenio Suarez doing anything in that lineup, I mean, they're, they're winning these games and they've got guys far, far, far underachieving from what they could do. So anyways, just piggybacking on that. I, I like that play a lot. I like it a lot. I have, I have to chime in, so it's plus 650 at William Hill. Whoa. Okay. Ooh. Beautiful. Yeah, Tech like found a, a line better than and, six to one. Look at that. Will Hill. Yeah. William Hill, William Hill, New Jersey. I don't know if they go $50 here and there between states, but yeah. I, I, I have to chime in. As much as I love the analytics side of some of these Pirates bats this year, uh, they can't do it. The Cubs, I got to check my calendar. It's 2021, and I'm still looking at a 2016 Cubs lineup, I feel like. Um, <laughs> That's why they're not within that division. They are yeah. done, guys. Like The, the Cubs Cardinals lost, just, what, yeah. 13 in a row at one point? Yeah. Right, right. Speaking of the 13 in a row, I forgot to mention this as I went over my notes. Um, when we were talking about a takeaway from the first half of the season, we know baseball can get very streaky. I mean, the you know, the trends and streaks, but – the one thing that we should have, I'm sure some of you did, the one thing to definitely keep an eye on going in the second part of the season was when some of these offenses were definitely on the downward streak, um, geez, 15-game losing streaks or something, some two couple. There was a lot of teams. There were three teams, the Indians, the Royals, and someone else. They went through like these 15, 18-game spurts where they just couldn't score. They just, they just couldn't score. And when they get on those, I think we really need to get on that bandwagon and, and just attack that team, even if they have a good pitcher Under. going, because we'll have good value. But going back to the Great. division point you guys mentioned to the Reds, I don't think the Pirates can do it. The Cubs can't do it. The Cardinals are tricky. I think even if they start getting hot, I think the gap that the Reds are going to end up having by the time this stuff starts getting rolling and moving will be too much to maybe catch up to. Just my thought. I just think the Reds will be too hot. And I think, like you guys mentioned, I, I, I think the Brewers are just something that the Reds could tip right over. I'm with you. I like this play. This might be one of the best um, 
I haven't looked through these, but I think this is one of my favorite without even digging in favorite value place for future right now. Seriously, six and a half to one, six to one, even five to one right now. You have a team that's four games out of the first really good offense. They, they were what top five and weighted on base average. I think they're down a little bit now, but they're still a top 10. Yeah. So they're at three thirty one. Look, the Brewers are one of the worst offenses in the league. They're at 308 awaited on base average. The Brewers have the pitching. I get it. I think they've overachieved so far. They're what, 14 games over 500. Mm-hmm. Not trying to beat a dead horse, but I'm just trying to say that I like yeah. this play quite a bit here, and I'm making yeah. it all. I wouldn't well, say that I'm down on Milwaukee because, you know, we talked about it. the pre, Like I said, preseason, first half of the season, we talked about Milwaukee looking good at 3-1, to one, at 350-1, to one. Um, but but that's the price. Now, I mean, the, that, that whole – formula has changed. I mean, they're minus 700 to win the division. So um, the Reds have plenty of work to do, but when you're looking at those numbers, I mean, the Braves are six to one to win the division and, you know, you got the Phillies and the Mets ahead of them and they just lost their key player and their pitching is uh, arguably maybe as sketchy or if not even a little worse than the Reds. But anyways, uh, that's that's I've said too much about. But to put some cherry on the top, just remember Milwaukee, we're looking at the first half of the season, those sixth highest strikeout team. And then I think I think in a year where it's so hard to get offensive run production overall, when you're striking out that much. There's, you need a lot of positive regression to happen and just some upside swinging True. going on to change that. I just I think we would have already seen that because they, they've been doing well. And if you really start nitpicking that on-base percentage and the WOBA and ISO on the offensive side, I think Cincinnati's got them owned in every category there. They do. Um, so, uh, except now I know, I know Milwaukee, I'm looking at this, they have a 10% of the team walk rate. But again, that, that strikeout, it, it, the walk rate, when you're striking out that high and and you're having a year where you're it's already hard to generate offense off the barrel, it won't matter if you ha- have a guy or two on because you're going to just end up generating a ground ball double play anyway. So or, or just yep. you know a, a pop fly. So I, I think when I start nitpicking at this, there, there's no way I can argue not taking plus six fifty for the Reds uh, to take the division. Not at all. Speaking of strikeout rates, highest strikeout rate in the league, Detroit Tigers, 26.8%. Chicago Cubs, the team that we know is not going to come back in this division, second at 26.2%. Lowest strikeout rates so far. Yeah, I I hope they sell Chris Bryant to the Phillies, but that's neither here nor there. But we could talk about the, the NL East. Lowest strikeout rates right now, Houston Astros still... Best strikeout rate at 19% flat. Pittsburgh Pirates, I was shocked to see this when I looked at it last week. 20.9%, not striking out that much. So They've been there all year, by the way. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what's crazy is they've been there all year. 